This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The bounce all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman German can obnoxious, what you'll face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Night Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And Boss, as we sit here and chat right now, your Georgia Bulldogs are the number one team in the country. How does that hit you here on this Sunday afternoon? It, it is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And this will be the first time since 2008 that the dogs are number one in the country and either the AP or or the coaches poll. They're already number one in the coaches poll. The AP poll hasn't been released as we're taping this, but for all intents and purposes, they are going to be number one in that unless something just ridiculous happens, but we don't expect that to. They were number one in the college football playoff ranking, but they were not number one in the AP or coaches poll that year, So, which was really weird. But it's great to be a, a dog. Yeah, and obviously the, the, the reason they're number one is because – Alabama lost in College Station yesterday, which uh, if you listened to our preview show last week was a big time shock to to your favorite co-hosts <laughs> uh, who thought Alabama yes. was just going to go in there and walk the dog on them. I'm still a little shocked about it, but that's college football. College football was drunk yesterday. It was a wild, wild day. <laughs> like Texas, Oklahoma game, Red River shootout was insane. That Arkansas Miss game was insane. I mean, there were just multiple bananas games. I even think you throw LSU Kentucky into that mix, right? Like, I think you and I both thought, as we talked about on the preview episode, it was a bad matchup for LSU. We thought Kentucky would cover and win. I don't think either one of us thought Kentucky was going to win by three touchdowns. And it wasn't just that they won by three touchdowns. They dominated by three touchdowns. They were up by three touchdowns pretty much the entire game. They controlled that from start to finish. There was never any doubt who was going to win that game. Yeah, and so it's going to – and we'll see where they end up in the in the AP poll. They were 11th in the coaches' poll, which I think was kind of a crock. But I think Kentucky may sneak into the top 10 in the AP, which will set up a top 10 matchup between the Hedges last weekend, next weekend between the number one team in the country, your Georgia Bulldogs, and the – out of nowhere, undefeated Kentucky Wildcats. Um, I think the speculation is, is that game day will be in the house. That has not been announced as of the time we're taping, but that's our expectation is that that will most likely happen. It's the only top 10 matchup in the country next week. And did we look to, is that going to be the only rank on rank matchup next week? Or is there one more? I guess Arkansas and who do they play next week? Auburn. Oh, Auburn will probably drop out. I would think. Let's see where they are in the coaches' poll. If they, yeah, looks like they're out. They're out of the coaches' poll. So, Texas yeah, they're the last. And they're the last team out. Is Texas in in the top twenty-five? Did they say? Uh, let's see. No, they're out as well. Yeah, because so, they whoever they play, I think they play Oklahoma State, which would have been another correct. top twenty-five matchup. So this this will be the only top twenty-five matchup, unless somebody else snuck in that I don't remember. 
yeah, I don't think they have much choice. I think it's the, the no-brainer. You have to go there. I mean, essentially, Kentucky is Arkansas from two weeks ago. They are now the feel-good story in a lot of ways of college football. Mark Stoops has got that ball team playing great. You got kind of a quirky quarterback in Will Levis, who post-game last night posted a social video of him just chomping on a banana with the skin on right on brand, <laughs> which made me laugh out loud. Um, so, yeah, I – it's just kind of wild, and you texted me. I, had, I hadn't looked, but you texted me. The first line came out, and Georgia's a 24-and-a-half favorite. Is that right? Yes. That's, that's a big number, homie. That's a big number. What do you think on that? What's your initial thought on that? I'm not trying to give away your pick for the week, but you comfortable with that number, or do you think that's too high? I think it's too high. My, that's my initial thought. The offensive line for Kentucky is really good. And yes, they are, but there it's strength on strength. Our defensive line is really good. I want to go, I want to do a little bit more deep dive. I mean, I literally have looked at it 20 minutes ago, so I need to think about it some more. But my initial thought is that that's really high. But I think the last two times that they've put out these spreads against Auburn and Arkansas, they've had them a little bit lower, even though the you know, media thought that it was a little high originally, and then Georgia's beat the doors off of them. So I think that now they're maybe they're going the other way, trying to overcompensate a little bit. My thought when I saw it was, is Kentucky has the ability, if they play really, really well, to keep that spread tighter than I think Vegas thinks it's going to be. And I think that's just because what they want to do is control the clock and run the football. But the flip side of that is, Kentucky has to run the football and nobody has run the football against this Georgia defense. And in all honesty, I don't foresee Kentucky being able to do it either, which means the only way you stay on the field as an offense is through your quarterback play and in the air. And do we think Will Levis can do that? I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I look, you say what you want about Bo Nix and he's obviously just a firecracker. Like, you live with the sword, die by the sword with him. I mean, he's a hot mess watching him. But he was mobile enough yesterday to keep some plays alive. And what did they end up throwing for yesterday? 276 or something like that? I mean, they moved the football more than anybody else has, I thought. He had a better day than I expected him to. Yeah, and I'll tell you, well, what we put him on the ground four times yesterday, had four sacks, and it felt like it could have been like eight, but – Man, he did a really nice job of evading pressure and getting rid of the ball. And But I think that's the type of quarterback you got to have to combat this Georgia defense. And if you look at the schedule the rest of the way, I don't know that there is a guy like that that can kind of play off schedule. I mean, look, I know Emory Jones is mobile, but I don't know that he's really an off-schedule quarterback. Maybe Hendon Hooker? I mean, what do you think? You think Hendon Hooker give him any problems or no? I mean, other than highlights to, to really pay attention, I haven't watched Tennessee once this year in a game just because, I mean, they haven't had a matchup that's really concerned me yet. But he seems more of a stretch-the-field type quarterback from the highlights. I think he's going to be under duress enough that that's not going to really – he's not going to have time to set his feet. And that's really going to worry me that much. I could be completely wrong, but that's how I feel right now. Yeah, I, I just think – and they've done this each game. Georgia has dictated the flow of the game every single game. And I think they will continue to do that. I just don't, 
I don't foresee them not being the driver of what the tempo and game plan is. Um, I think that's part of their uh, MO each week is to come out and go, look, we're just going to impose our will and do what we choose to do. And the other team will follow suit. I think they showed that yesterday. I want to talk about this because it was a big, big, big time takeaway for me. I thought Todd Munkin probably had the best play calling game of his 18-month Georgia career yesterday. I thought he was magnificent all day. What do you think? He kept their defense off balance the entire game. There was always someone open. Bennett really, I mean, he had his choice most of the time of who to throw the ball to. And all he really had to do was, you know, drop it in the bucket. And my favorite play of the entire game was Bennett on the RPO where he pulled it and delivered a dart to Bowers across the middle when he was getting, when he, right before he got decked. And yeah, just like in, just like in Arkansas, the threat of Bennett's running ability, just enough to keep them off balance, just that threat makes the running game go so much better. Yeah, man. I thought when he pulled it in the fourth and went left to get the first down that set up Zeus's touchdown at the end. I mean, I thought that spoke to it. It was interesting because I think two plays before that, they'd run a similar zone read look, and he had handed it off. And it kind of got stuffed for like two yards. And if he had kept it, I think he would have walked in the end zone from like 35 yards out. And so, yeah, I think that's a unique skill set that he provides. And, man, I'm glad you brought up that play because – I grabbed a couple screenshots from it off the TV yesterday and like circled what he was looking at. Cause it was the perfect camera angle to appreciate what he did on that play. A the window that he had to throw through to get it to Brock. And then he got absolutely laid out from the backside after he threw the football and you could kind of tell he knew it was coming and he just stood in there and delivered an absolute BB. Uh, it was a fantastic throw. I thought he threw the ball well all day. He underthrew Lad on that first deep ball a little bit, but brother, on that second one, I mean, he put that thing on the money. That was a beautiful, beautiful play, and I texted it to you right after it happened. But as soon as it happened, I went, "That is, it looked almost identical to Jake to Dom in nineteen when we watched the game together." Yep. It was and I so, thought the same thing. Yeah, it was it was same direction on the field. It was almost the same exact position on the field. Um, time in the game was different. You know, I, I thought the big thing about Jake Dom in 19 was that kind of led things off, right? That was the first scoring play of the game. And I thought it loosened things up a little bit from the Georgia side. But this one, you know, it was still 17-3. I mean, the game was in doubt. And it was kind of a, yeah, it's over. Y'all, y'all can just start going home now because up three touchdowns, y'all, it ain't happening for y'all today. And, God, also, let's let's not – forget to talk about this the route that lad ran on that play and i'm glad cvs replayed it and showed it was fantastic i mean he he made himself that wide open i mean it was a it was a great scheme to play but he executed it to perfection and was butt naked and stetson put it on him and man it was what a day he had huh what do you have 135 five for 135 yesterday and a touchdown yeah yeah, I mean, monster day. You just love it for that kid. You know, just another one of those guys Kirby can't develop, right? Yeah, three-star with no Power 5 offers. 
Yeah, just another guy Kirby Smart can develop. Yeah, just keep on thinking that, America. So, yeah, that, I, that was exciting. I thought Zeus had another good day yesterday. I thought the vision from the running backs all day yesterday was very, very good. I thought all three of them. Kennedy didn't get to play. I missed what happened on that. Did I miss something in pregame? Is he dinged? He's dinged, yeah. Um, hamstring, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so speaking of injuries, and I think this is important to talk about because I think it just continues this narrative down the road about this team and how how they are up and down the roster. But, boy, man, next man up mentality, right? So Chris oh, Smith kidding. goes out in the first quarter, which Chris Smith has played magnificently all season long. And you're thinking, oh, man, like we don't want to lose him, especially with the way Bo Nix can get things off schedule and maybe burn us over the top. And then shortly after that, Jamari Salyer goes down, who's had a phenomenal season, hasn't given up a sack in his career. Is that right? Or just this season? In his career, right? Zero sacks given up in his career as left tackle? I believe that's correct. Yes. I know it's this season. I believe it's in his career. Um, But I know for a fact it is this season. Yeah, so you're going, gee, man, left tackle is going out. And also one of our better interior linemen, if they choose to make a switch, that kind of freaks you out. And then what happens, man? Roger Jones comes in and was absolutely mauling people yesterday. I thought he played fantastic. And then, you know, Johnny on the spot, Daniel Jackson, just continuing his Cinderella story this year, plays another really solid football game. And then a guy who's been at the star all year that you and I have talked about since game one, Latavius Brenny. I mean, once again, just stand up. Like, he is having a fantastic season. So, man, I this team is just so locked in and together. And I think if you were to ask, you know, who's, who's, who's the, the one guy they can't live without? And I think the beauty of this team is I don't know if there really is one. I think even if you lost a big-time contributor, like, dude, let's say J.D. got hurt. God forbid. Let's say J.D. got hurt. You telling me that Devontae Wyatt and that crew of D linemen, I mean, Zion Logue had another sack yesterday. Like, they're just <laughs> – everybody is ready to roll. And I don't know, man. They just seem so locked in. And I thought yesterday was just another example to put into the evidence sheet of them being next man up and whoever's in there is going to get the job done. And you can just tell they believe that in the way they play. So I was fired up, man. Also thought a little bit of adversity yesterday, right? Going on the road, tough environment, get down 3 nothing early. Auburn has a pretty sustained drive to open the game. I thought Bobo, as he normally does, had a really good scripted opening drive there. So, yeah, I, I thought they responded really, really well. How about your boy Nakobe on that pick? I love Nakobe. Like, if he is not a first-round pick, I will be shocked. And I know he's a little on the smaller side, but uh, I, I don't care. He just makes plays. You don't have to be 6'3", 245 to, you know, 250 to play linebacker in, in the NFL anymore. You know, yeah. speed matters, and he's got it in spades. And, I mean, he's just – he's always around the ball. No matter what, he's just there. It's not just him. It's Tyndall, Walker. It's all of them. They're always right there. And I love the fact that another play that, you know, could have just made it like you go back to last year and Nolan Smith has the stupid personal foul penalty on the first drive. And Mm -hmm. last year, 
that takes Nolan Smith mentally out of the game pretty much regularly. Not that he he'll still play, but mentally he's checked. Not that he's checked out. He just he can't recover mentally from that. And not just mm-hmm. him. A lot of the players can't. You know. But this year, the, like you said, the team is so locked in. He sits out, I think, a drive, maybe two. He comes back in, and you notice him right away. Like he's right back and engaged with the teammates. He he doesn't make a he didn't make a play, but he's right back there congratulating his teammates when they make a play. It's just even on the sideline, he's he's right there engaged. Like there's none of this. There's no there is no me. Like it was always the shirt from a couple of years ago was big team little me. But this year, it's you see it a lot more than mm-hmm. you have in years past. It's just this team is different. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think. You know, they're driving home all season, this thing about connection. And I thought the piece that Herb Street did on game day last week really, really highlighted it. I mean, I think that's real. I don't think that's a lip service thing. I think that's real. And I think we're seeing that week to week. Um, I'll tell you something that stuck out for me big time yesterday was Trayvon Walker. I mean, he obviously loves playing on the planes. He had the game clinch in play, game clinch and sack on Bo Nix in 19. And he flashed, I thought, early and often yesterday. I mean, he was everywhere. Uh, Jalen Carter had another good game yesterday. I mean, dude, it's just – it's every week. Like, how about Keeley dropping that interception? Oh, he wanted that so bad in the end zone. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He was and he so was all around the ball, too, because on the non-fumble yeah. that ended up being an incomplete pass, he got the fumble. What would have should have been the fumble recovery. Yeah, what do you think on that? I thought because they slow mode it, it looked more like a pass. But I think if you watched it in real time, I think the passing motion was more of him getting hit, which made to to me it felt more like a fumble. Like I thought, I didn't think there was enough to overturn the call on the field. I guess was my point on it. I think you, you can make an argument one way or the other about it actually being a pass or not. But I think given that the call on the field was a fumble. I didn't see anything on video to go, well, that was absolutely an attempted pass. If you go by the letter of the law, of the rule, his arm was technically moving forward because he flicked his wrist right at the end, right Mm -hmm. before he hits the ground. Mm -hmm. So technically, in my opinion, based off the way that is, it should have either, either been a fumble, though, because he's going down and he's he's in the grasp of two players. He's going Mm -hmm. down and he's basically horizontal to the ground as this happens, or it should have been his sack. One of the two. I don't really agree with the changing it to intentional grounding. I don't think it was an incomplete pass because of the fact that he was in the grasp. Like, it's not like he was wrapped around the leg being twisted and threw it away. Like, it's not like that. Yeah. So that was an interesting one to me. I thought that, um, Obviously, they did what they had to do and made the stop there and hold him to the field goal, which I thought was big. Because uh, I think it, it changes the vibe a little bit if they go in and score a touchdown there. Um, also, breaking news, while we're here on the podcast, they just made the official announcement that game day will be in Athens. So that is official. They also announced that uh, SEC Network and SEC Nation will also be in Athens on Saturday. So both pregame shows... <laughs> Wow. On the ESPN Family Networks will be in Athens on Saturday, which I wonder where one will set up because you got to figure game day is going to be back on Myers Quad, I would think. So then where do you think SEC Network posts up? 
Ah, I have no idea. Dude, you know where I would put one of them? And I've never understood why they don't do it. Is on Hurdy. I'd put it right yeah. on Hurdy Field with the fountain in the background or even the, the bell tower in the background. Chapel bell tower. I just think that'd be a cool backdrop. And it's a totally different location on campus from Myers. So well, is it possible one, that they couldn't get the fans on there? Is that possibly a reason they don't? Oh, you mean like have enough space to fit everybody? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because it would be way tighter from a – that's the thing about Myers is how they set it up. There's plenty of space to kind of plug people in. I mean, it is kind of tight, tighter, I guess. But, yeah, it, I guess it would be a bigger space than Hurdy. Because they could just do it on North Campus on the front side with the arch in the back yeah. or something. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where where one sets up, where the other one sets up. But yeah, man, they're have the whole the whole boat there. Ton of stuff happening, which I think it's justified. It's gonna be a monster matchup. It's three thirty game of the week on CBS. Kentucky is becoming Cinderella's story of the season. So yeah, it's gonna be wild. Something else I want to talk to you about the game yesterday. Uh, well, did you hear Bo Nix post game pissing and moaning about the referees? Which made me just laugh out loud. I, I think I texted you this, or if I didn't, I put it in our group text with you and Chris. I actually gained respect for Knicks during the game yesterday, like during the game. And then I saw his post-game press conference. I was like, well, that just went out the window. Yeah. Especially after the calls that they've gotten this season. I mean, they don't beat Georgia State without that phantom uh, catch. I don't know if you saw it to the tight end where he clearly it goes straight through his hands and hits the ground. Yeah. It's like a 25 yard pass that gets him in position to uh to score a touchdown at the end of the game to to win. You know, he's like, we don't get those calls. I'm like, oh bite me. You know, it's like you just sour grapes, I man. You're supposed to be the leader of your team. You sound like the Dan Mullen of quarter of quarterbacks right now. Just shut up. Yeah, I thought it was uh sorry, soapbox. <laughs> it's I just it's it just pathetic. Bad. I just, you know, I know you're a kid, but come on. I thought it was a bad look. I just thought he looked like I don't know. He just looked kind of petulant, moaning about that. Uh, and, dude, the one he's talking about is the one with Latavius, right? Like in the back of the end zone? Yeah, it's a bang-bang play. Murray said that he could see it being called. Tebow chimes in later in the day on um, SEC final saying that he, he thought it was pass interference. It's like, why is this still – why is this one play – this one play is not the difference in the game. It wasn't the difference. And – I think they were like making such a big deal out of it. And I didn't think there was anything big there at all. Could they have called it maybe because he had the right hand wrapped around the other right hand, but dude, it it happens all the time. I mean, I just, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, Jordan Davis tackled several times, literally tackled by the center because the center couldn't block him all day. He did not call holding on him once. I mean, but that's not called. I mean, those are clear. Those are ref advantages if you want to call them. Okay. The other thing that struck me when the game ended yesterday is that the Deep South's oldest rivalry, Georgia-Auburn, the game that in our interviews with our guest in the Smart 16 comes up the most often as people's favorite rivalry. Dude, as of yesterday's end-of-game result, Georgia is absolutely dominating the rivalry over the last two decades. In the last nine games, 
Georgia has won eight of nine. They've won five straight. And they've won 14 of the last 17. 14 and three in the last 17 Georgia-Auburn games. I mean, that's getting to be Georgia-Georgia Tech territory. Like, it's just absolute domination in the series by the dogs. And let's not forget, most of these games haven't really been close. Yeah. We're talking about there was the 2016, the Maurice Smith pick six. Then you got, I guess you could say 19 was close by score 21-14. But realistically, Georgia dominated that game until the last 10 minutes. Yep. That's right. Well, I I mean, even I would say that the SEC championship was closer than the final score indicated. I mean, that game was contested yeah. through through the third quarter. Yeah. I mean, even on the Auburn side, other than the prayer of Jordan Hare, the two times that Auburn has won in t- 10 and 17, they blew the doors off us. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the prayer of Jordan Hare, I mean, they were dominating that game. If Georgia wins that game, that's an all-time Georgia comeback. So, and then the prayer of Jordan Hare happens. So, I mean, it's not like – the majority of these last 17 games, I would say probably 12 of them have been just absolute domination by one team or the other. Most, most of them by 10 of them by Georgia. Yeah. I, that That's the striking part about it too is yeah. To your point, there hasn't been one where it felt like Georgia wasn't going to pull it out. It, you know, you know what? 10 was with cam. So, and we were not good that year. So that one was very much expected. And then you've got prayer at Jordan Hare, which to your point, Aaron leads one of the all-time comebacks. I think it, I think if they hold on to win that game, that becomes Aaron Murray's signature game at Georgia just because of what he did. I mean, what did they do? Score 21 points in the fourth quarter or something like that before that? Yeah. Yeah. So plus it would have knocked Auburn out of contention. They don't go to the national championship game that year and play Florida State. So that would have changed all that. And then you got, yeah, what was the, that was the 2017 year, which again, that's one, uh, this is always a point of contention with me. People are like, oh yeah, they blew the doors off. And yes, final score wise, they did. That game also was way closer than the final score indicated. Like Georgia, boy, they just kind of piddled that game away. Like the, it was real tight at half. And then, you had the free play with the punt and all these other things that happened. Like that was just a, that was a weird game, man. Um, it was tight by yeah. score though, but Auburn moved the ball at will. They were the only team to move the ball at will on that Georgia defense. All yeah. half. Well, and then it was like, well, we kept them. I would say Oklahoma did. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. I mean, in the regular season. <laughs> so, but yeah. That, Auburn was moving the ball and then Georgia held them to three field goals in the first quarter. And then they got that touchdown in the second in the second quarter. But I mean, they were up and down the field all, all half. And then Georgia was just able to kind of do did a bend, but don't break defense in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, it's interesting. And I don't know, I guess the genesis of that, and it's not just Kirby though, right? Like this was happening with coach Rick there as well. Just I don't know. Maybe it's just not good matchups talent wise for Auburn or or whatever it may be. But man, that's like not. Um, those are those were staggering numbers as I was looking through the rivalry figures on the website. Like 
I just thought that's <laughs> it's I feel like people make such a fuss about oh we shouldn't play Georgia Tech anymore because it's not a rivalry and blah blah blah. It's like well, I mean, I feel like Georgia Tech has beaten us more in the last seventeen years than than Auburn has, or at least it's equal. So yeah, it's e- yeah, I think it is equal. I think they both have won three times. So I don't know, man. That, that just startled me, but. Yeah, so I thought that was crazy, and I know we talked earlier about game day making the announcement that they're going to be in Athens. SEC Nation has also made the announcement that they will be in Athens on Saturday, so it's going to be quite the atmosphere in the Classic City on Saturday, and what's your what's your thoughts? Where do you think the two of them are going to set up? I mean, game day usually sets up at Myers Quad. you think they hold steady there, or do you think they maybe go somewhere else or what do you think SEC nation does? Like what's, what's your, what's your prognostication on that? Just because game day was at Myers two weeks ago, they might do something different. I don't know what, but I mean, they might just do something different because they were just there two weeks ago and let SEC nation have Myers. It just seems like because they were just there two weeks ago, even though the atmosphere was electric, they might just do something different. I, I have absolutely no idea what, and I have no idea how they're going to fit two of them there. And it kind of seems a little silly almost because the fan base is going to be split. And honestly, more people are going to go to game day than they are SEC nation. No offense to SEC nation. That's just what's going to happen, but it also depends on where it is. So I, I would, I'm very curious to see how everything's going to play out, but also they don't have to move to the stadium towards the end. Cause Herbie's not going to be calling the game at 12. So right. it'll be kind of they'll be able to stay wherever they are the entire uh, show. Yeah, I I think it's going to be just a wild dynamic. I mean, you would think just from a logistics perspective, they're going to try and set them up at completely different areas on the campus so that you really can have kind of two separate epicenters of energy. Where you know, like the couple times I've been to game day in Athens, Myers gets pretty crowded. Like they. They're like, it's kind of hard to move around. You can't get super close to the stage if you don't get there really early. So maybe SEC Nation alleviates a little bit of that and allows you to kind of be a front row consumer for the SEC Nation point. Or who knows? I don't know. It'll be it'll be really interesting to kind of see where they both end up falling. But gosh, man, how great is that for the program and for college town of Athens to have both of those big brands in the classic city to kick off week seven of college football. I just think, man, it's incredible. And again, I don't think we should lose sight of this week to week, brother. This has been a magical ride so far. Like I don't want people to take that for granted. Like, Oh yeah, this is what we should be doing. Like we live in this, like live in this joy right now. This is a really, really awesome time to be a dogs fan, regardless what happens down the road or whatever. Right. But these first seven weeks, they've been fun, man. Like a lot of fun, like 17 fun. So I don't know. I just live in it, man. It's freaking fantastic. I'm curious to see if they've ever, if it's ever been done where game day and SEC nation were at the same site for, for the same game. If that's ever happened before. I'm so glad you bring that up. You, you teed me up without even knowing that you were going to tee me up because when they made the announcement um, shortly after that, the uh, I think he's like one of the head PR guys 
at ESPN, or maybe he only oversees one of the verticals or something like that. But this guy, Bill Hoffmeyer, I find him on Twitter because he tweets about stuff like this. But he tweeted out this Saturday, ESPN's College Game Day and SEC Network's SEC Nation will originate from the same regular season game for just the third time ever. So um, I wonder if – so he's got a little article here. Let's see if it lays out where they were before. Um, and I wonder if they count – I'm I, my assumption is that's third time on campus. Okay. I, God, I assume pretty, SEC I'm Championship. Pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're both at the SEC Championship every year. So I'd have to think it's on campus. Yeah, it doesn't say in the article – who the other two are, but that would be a fun fact. Maybe we'll do some research on that. Oh, no, no. Here we go. Got it. Following LSU versus Alabama in Tuscaloosa in 2019. Ooh, makes sense. Florida, Georgia in Jacksonville in 2018. That was the Jake Fromm rebound game after the LSU debacle. Both of those make sense. Yeah. So that's cool. That's a cool fact. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Maybe because Georgia's been – Featured on it a couple times, and also because they've had some noon kicks and stuff. But I feel like I've watched game day more this season than I have in a while. Maybe some of that's just been my fortuitousness with my kids' sports schedules this year. I've just been home, so I've been able to watch it. But I've enjoyed it, man. I think they've done a good job telling some cool stories this year and doing some good features and – I've liked how they've integrated David Pollock this year. And I don't know. It's still tough for me with Desmond. Uh, he's just, he's tough. He's a tough, he's a tough watch for me, <laughs> but I will say Definitely this. He is a homer. Credit where credit's due. De- yeah. Credit where credit's due Desmond. You had a elite, I mean, elite tie knot and pocket silk fold Saturday at the state fair. I mean, he looked, Fantastic. So shout out to him for that. I was real pleased with his with his with his knot and his dimple and his pockets silk. He did good, good job. Also, did you see Sark's suit yesterday before the game? Oh my God. What a suit. I mean, just what, what a, what a suit. suit. I mean, look, they didn't come out on top in the ball game, but they should have just based on his pregame outfit choice. I mean, you can hear about who he gave credit to? Uh-uh, who did he say? He gave credit to his wife. He's like, he's like, my wife makes some good fashion choices. Yeah, that's a smart man. That's that's a, that's a, he, he always 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 recruiting, baby. Always recruiting. Even even still recruiting the wife. I'm here for that. Yeah, I like that. Well, um, we got an exciting preview guest this week. We got Rennie Kern coming on the show to preview with us. So, be Rennie's first time on the show as a guest picker. We had Rennie on to tell his Georgia story, which was awesome. I thought one of the more enjoyable ones. And Rennie's got a lot of exciting stuff going on, so I'm interested to hear his picks. Not a great week for you and your boy this week. We did not not fare so well. Mm-hmm. Four and you know, six, I, both I, of us. We we're both four and six. Yeah, that's yeah. tough. Tough. That that late late Oklahoma cover really, yeah, really, it's, it's just kind of stuck in my craw a little bit. Especially when you think they're but, going for the field goal. <laughs> I know, and then I thought, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. Still going to get a cover here. It's going to be fantastic. And then, nope. It's just going to bust that spread for us. So, yeah, that, that was that was tough. That was real tough. Um, 
All right, brother. Well, that was about all I had today. You got anything else you want to shoot the breeze about when it, as it pertains no. to the dogs or any closing thoughts or anything? Or you just kind of want to count down now to big time, didn't think it would happen, top 15 matchup with the Wildcats? No. On to Kentucky. Ready to book, bookmark some tweets about from Kentucky fans like I have every week for all these other fan bases that just dogs haven't played anybody. Keep listening to it regurgitating it back to him after we, you know, dolly whop him. Yep. Boy, it has been a lot of people running their mouths. They just keep on running their mouth. Don't bother me one bit. Just keep nope, not at all. flapping your lips. Yep. All right, brother. Well, I will, uh, we'll be back on with the preview episode with Rennie. And until then, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.